0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome, like Joel said, to Ridgeview. Uh, We are so glad you guys are here to uh, worship with us uh, this morning. Uh, My name is Alex. I'm the the pastor here. And uh, like Joel said, it's it's crazy to believe that it's been one year, uh, almost since we've launched, and we're a new church. And uh, it's great. As I was just standing on the side here, as I looked across, you know, a year ago, um, things were just beginning to form. And there were many Sundays where I would stand in the back and just say, God, just help people to come. And it was a real just beyond like this seven people I see right here. And uh, over the course of the years, uh, this last year, what we've seen is it's, it's actually not been in, in the numbers per se, but it's, it's been in just the lives that, that God has reached and touched. And so as I look out here and as we talk about this anniversary, uh, we really do want to invite you... Uh, to be a part of it. Uh, for many of you, it's because you've been a part since the beginning and you've really seen what God has done. And then for others, uh, this may be your first or second time, and we want to invite you to kind of be able to see what we're all about and, and really where we're headed. And so this is a celebration, but it's also really this, this picture of where uh, God wants to take us. And so that's going to happen on the 9th of February um, in a couple weeks. And so I really wanted to invite you. Uh, You know, back for that. And feel free to invite family or friends, uh, people who are looking for a church. An anniversary is actually a great way to kind of learn more about what a church is all about. And so I I invite you uh, to do that. Uh, We're on week three of this series called Life Hacks. And by the the image, you'd think, man, we're going to learn about home improvement. And so that that looks really promising. Uh, Unfortunately, I'm not really great in home improvement. And so I won't be teaching you like special construction skills. But I do wanna just walk through some things that the Bible says will lead to real uh, shortcuts in life. And so we've kind of borrowed this term life hacks, which has kind of been this phenomenon over the last five years of things that we can do that help maybe make life more efficient. And here's the definition that we've been working from. A life hack is a strategy or technique adopted in order to manage one's time and daily activities in a more efficient way. So something about life hack is that it, it leads to efficiency and sometimes it's counterintuitive. Like, we would not have thought to do that, but if you do it, somehow it produces these results that, that we would not have known. And so we've been sharing not just these, like, life hacks, but what does the Bible say about things that actually really do matter, but as a way just to stay true to these helpful things, we're, we're sharing in the beginning of the message each week a few life hacks that you could adopt in your life. So you're ready for this week's. So, so encouraged and excited. Um, the first is check this is bananas. Any banana eaters? If you wrap your bananas with plastic wrap, they stay fresh longer. Do you know that? I love the scientific proof of this. You know, it's <laughs> here's a little wrap, and then they just got overripe bananas and put them next to it. You know, I don't know if it works, but there you go. You could try it. Another one is um, you know, those old school like shoe organizers that all of us have in our closet somewhere, but we don't use you could actually put those on the back of a door and organize your cleaning supplies. Uh, This one, uh, there is like no shortage of life hacks related to amplifying your iPhone like speakers. So just like an empty toilet roll, thumbtacks, a little opening, a Bose sound system. Okay, so... Quick and easy iPhone speaker. So there you go. There's your three. If you get nothing out of today, you have those. Okay. Um, but in in all seriousness, again, these can help. They can maybe make things a little easier. But with life's complexities, the things that we're really asking, they're not going to really help. They're not life changing. And so, here at Ridgeview, we believe that that God, as He leads us, He's what changes our life. And then, as He directs us through His Word, as we adopt what He says. That's actually what leads us to the best kind of life. And so what we really need in life, all of us, is wisdom. It's how to do life the right way according to reality, according to what actually is. And to gain wisdom, you need God because wisdom comes from him, but also you need his word because that's how it directs us. And so we've been looking at some of these principles. First, lasting success in life uh, comes from wisdom. You can't really get lasting success just detoured around it. You you actually, it goes through it. It goes through wisdom. That's what leads to lasting success. And much of God's wisdom, it's summarized in the Proverbs, which is a book in the Bible, kind of to the center of your Bible if you have one. And uh, it's like wise sayings, a lot written by Solomon, who was the wisest man that ever lived. Now, wisdom to get in our life, you can't just read things about wisdom. It actually comes uh, through certain attitudes, All of us have attitudes, but attitudes aren't just feelings. Attitudes are approaches that we take. Uh, When we face a situation, when we face a person, we're dealing with something, a circumstance, our attitude is like this approach that we're going to handle it. How are we going to move forward? And so for wisdom to get into your life, you actually have to have the right kind of approach, the right kind of attitudes. And so Life Hacks, what this series is all about, is this. It's the key attitudes that brings wisdom and success. I don't know about you, but the Bible actually lays out five of these crucial attitudes. These approaches that if you adopt these, these are going to actually bring help and blessing and success to you. Now, it's not like a magic key that you just, if you believe all five, it happens. It actually means it's you live your life a different way because, again, the attitude is the approach. And the approach is how you live, how you make decisions, your values, and over time, as you adopt these five things, you actually will experience success because you are aligning yourself with how God designed the world. That's what reality is. And so I just wanna recap, if you missed the first two weeks, life hack number one is fear of the Lord. You find again and again in the Bible, fear of the Lord keeps coming up. It just keeps cropping up. A person who fears the Lord, they have a certain attitude, they have a certain vantage point, and this leads to a certain life. Fear of the Lord is is not this trembling, quaking kind of fear. It's more of this, I take God seriously enough. He is real, and I actually wanna do what he says. That's what fear is in this sense, in the biblical sense. He's real, and I wanna do what he says. That was life hack number one, two weeks ago. Last week, life hack number two, trust in the Lord. Not only is there a key to fearing him, but trusting him, and last week, we talked about God's GPS, and that when you trust God, God. You trust his vantage point, the way he sees things. Because you trust his vantage point, you actually want to follow his directions. So fear of the Lord and trust in the Lord are actually what faith is. If you've ever wondered, like, what is faith? There's so many songs about faith. There's stories about faith. There's movies about faith. It can seem kind of ambiguous. Faith, according to the scriptures, is actually these two things. It's like two sides of a coin, fear of the Lord and trust in the Lord. So if you choose faith, that's how wisdom begins to get in, because you believe that God is there, you don't know everything, and you need to adopt some of his principles. So today, we're going to continue in this vein of another key attitude, and this is one of those things which we've all heard the word, and Joel already mentioned this, but it's not, not necessarily something that we aspire to, and that is humility. That's life hack number three, humility. Humility. Now, if I were to ask you, and we did like an impromptu survey, how many of you woke up today and thought like, I just hope today I can just experience being humbled and being humbled and being humbled? Any of you like, that just sounded like a good day to you? The reason you know that is if you just let people continue to cut you off in traffic and you don't get upset, that's a humble kind of day. But instead, if somebody gets in your way on the road, doesn't that just like, oh, oftentimes that's an indication of what's going on. In our life, Humility is usually not the thing that we're thinking about. It's usually not. It's one of those things that we don't talk about a lot. Sometimes we don't experience a lot. But in the Bible, according to God's way, humility actually allows you to advance. It allows you to overcome some of the toughest obstacles that you can face. And so it's a key to success. Uh, here's a proverb to continue with those wise sayings. Proverbs thirty twenty eight: A lizard can be caught with the hand yet it is found in king's palaces. Proverbs does this a lot. It creates a a word picture or a case study where it causes you to think. And sometimes you read a proverb and you're like, why are we talking about a lizard? Well, notice where the lizard is. Where is the lizard? It's in a king's palace. Can you and I get into a king's palace? Not unless you have the right connections. King's palaces are like the most prestigious places in the world, but a lizard, they're there. Now, does a lizard, like, storm the gate? Not even the gecko one, you know, from the commercial, Geico. Like, he can not Lizards don't have power. Kids catch lizards all the time. So, it's not the power of the lizard. It's the lizard's low profile. The lizard actually allows to get into all these places because of the low profile that it adopts. It's the same with humility, and this is what the proverb is getting at. Look, at how advanced the lizard got. Look at where the lizard ended up. It's not through power, it's through the low profile. And here's a central truth to this. If you want to advance in life, the key is not the power you gain or the status you earn, but the profile you adopt. That's why today's message is called a low profile. But if you adopt a low profile and keep yourself low in the right perspective, in the right place, you actually can advance just like the lizard. And so we're gonna talk about how this happens, but like anything, to talk about humility, we have to talk about the opposite. What do you think is the opposite of humility? Pride and arrogance. You can't talk about humility getting into our life without heading face on the power of pride and arrogance that we actually all deal with. In fact, we all deal with that from birth, this overwhelming sense that we're the center of the universe. And so to deal with humility, we actually have to deal with pride. Here's what Proverbs says about the prideful person, Proverbs 21, 24. The proud and arrogant man, mocker, is his name. He behaves with overweening pride. A mocker is a term that's often used to describe someone with a lot of pride and arrogance, It's just this term, they're they're mockers, they mock things. To mock something means that you talk down to. For you to be able to talk down to something or to someone, it means you have to be elevated. So prideful people in their mocking take a higher position over people and talk down to them. And this word overweening, have you heard that in a sentence? I I looked that up, I was like, what does that mean? Uh, Overweening is actually this, outburst of arrogance. It's this thing of you're, put yourself in such a high position that you don't even understand why people could do that or think like that. It's this outburst of like, that makes no sense. Don't they understand like I do? That's that over, it just comes out, this arrogance, and just, and that's what the mocker does from their elevated position that they put themselves in. They look down on people and just can't understand why people have the struggles that they don't have. You know anyone like that? Don't answer that. But this is not just this ancient thing, this mocker. There are mockers all around us. In fact, we look in the mirror and you know what? Sometimes we see that as well. And so for us to talk about humility, we have to talk about this, this pull of pride that we all deal with. So I wanna kind of talk about how to adopt this low profile and at the same time how to counter the pride which always wants to elevate us. And so this morning, you're of kind of see a battle What happens, and I want to describe it in a way because it's actually a battle within us. I don't know if you've ever thought, you know, planned out your day and you've been wanting to do the right things and kind of help and bless the people around you, and then it just kind of falls apart, and you you start like, Why do I even try? You ever have those days like that where you have good intent, and then you just get into a conflict with somebody that you love dearly, and it just blows up, and you think, Why, you know, why does this happen? Why can't we see eye to eye? And, And that's always what happens. There's always this intent that we have, and then reality, and there's usually these battles. But oftentimes, it's a battle between wills, what we want to see happen, what's going on inside of us, humility, pride, and that with other people, and just things start to collide. And so I want to just start with this, how to keep this low profile, and then how to keep pride in check. So here's the key attributes of having a low profile. These are like three action steps. And I think you have a blank uh, for each one of these three. Usually, I don't do blanks, but this week, I wanted to. Uh, the first one is this. Before... God, I bow. The first attribute of humility in keeping this low profile is actually this idea of lowering yourself, bowing your knee like you would to somebody in a higher position. Because again, the problem with pride is elevation. So before God, I bow is like saying, I am going to actually take that lower position because that actually is what is real. Proverbs 3.34 says this. He, that's referring to God, mocks proud mockers, but gives grace to the humble. Here's what's really interesting. When you mock and you're full of arrogance and you're full of pride, what this proverb is saying is God, he comes against you. Now, we may have a different view of God from our experience but I don't think any of us would think like if we were going to do a battle and you had to pick an opponent, would you choose God? We may not fully understand who God is, but he's a little bigger than we are. And so what the scripture is saying is like when you mock, God will mock you. The scary things about God is he actually does have the higher position. He is the only elevated one and he takes that very seriously. So I, when I read this, I think, is that true, though? Because doesn't it seem like sometimes the arrogant are the ones that progress the most? Right? What it's saying is God, God's paying attention. There may be a season where they have success. There may be a season where they're getting ahead. But in the end, they will actually bow their knee as well. Maybe in this life, maybe in the life to come. But God will not then allow them to be elevated forever. God will take care of that. He mocks proud mockers and then notice the second part, but he gives grace to the humble. So this is just kind of dealing with reality. Like you can't elevate yourself above God. But sometimes with God, because we can't see him, it's hard to fathom, well, how does this work? Well, I kind of tie it to, to gravity. If you were to do a battle with gravity, who would win? In my older age now, if I were to jump off these stairs... There's only four stairs. Maybe 10 years ago, I might think like, I've got a good chance of not pulling something. But I know age is real. Gravity is real. My tendons are not as limber and my muscles and everything else. I know that that actually would like, I could play it off and fake it, but as I'd walk to the back, I'd be like, ooh, I should have stretched out a, lot, a little bit. Why? Because gravity's real. If you jump, you're gonna go down. I'm not going to float. Gravity is real. And it's actually the same with with God's position. And if you mock or you look down on God, who will win? God. Because as sure as gravity is, so is God's position. So speaking of gravity, you know, if a spaceship, it goes into outer space and the space shuttle turns upside down, the astronauts don't know it's upside down. There's no gravity. They don't know up. They don't know down. And so it doesn't feel like it does here on earth. Well, gravity is not just a physical phenomenon. Gravity actually exists in the realm of our soul as well. And what's gravity? It's, it's described as the attraction of objects. Our body is attracted to the earth, and that determines what is up and what is down. We don't think about this, right? But the way you know you're on the floor right now is because of gravity and our position. Let me know, we look, up. Oh, that's up and that's down. That's because of our place in this solar system. And the planets are in orbit around the sun because they are much smaller than it. And it's actually the same with our relationship with God. But here's the difference. He's the true center of the universe. But check this out. Spiritual weight is not is measured not in pounds but in position. So God has a unique position that no one else has. And he really is the center of the universe the battle that we have with pride is that we want to put ourselves in the center. Don't we see that even from an early age? Doesn't that define sometimes really young people? They just know so much better than their parents. Like, why can't I have candy for breakfast? Because that makes no sense. But when you're young, that's real. That's real. That should, that's how life should work. But you know that that will not lead to a good life. It's the same with us. As soon as we put ourselves in the center of orbit, the center of the weight, then we have to adjust. So for us to be the center, we need to put more weight to us and less weight to God. And that's why we get into so much trouble because we don't think, or take God seriously. That's that fear of the Lord. We don't really trust his vantage point. That's the trust of the Lord. And then we're not humble. Like, I know better than him. Because I know better than him, Then now I'm the center. Well, just like if we were to put earth in the middle of the, the solar system, all the planets would start colliding together because earth doesn't have the, the right weight to pull it off. And that's what happens when I become the center of my universe, you become the center of your universe. We're now just a bunch of planets that collide because God is not in his rightful place. He is the center. We're supposed to orbit around him. And so at the center of this, before God, I bow, it's this realization that I have to choose to take my position voluntarily. When it says God mocks proud mockers, it's actually their their volunteering now is, is over. They don't have a choice, and life begins to crumble. The humble, if you remain humble, you can actually make that choice to shift between being that center. And that's actually what it means to become a Christian. To become a Christian means everything in me that I've always known, I've just wanted to do my own way. Everything makes sense to me. I may not know why it makes sense, but it makes sense, and that's why I do what I do. That's why I choose what I choose. But when you decide to follow Christ, that's actually the decision that you're making. It's one decision that you make over and over again. The one decision is I'm gonna bow before God, and I'm gonna accept the fact that through Jesus, I can be forgiven for my sin. Even forgiveness is this act of humility that you accept. I've messed up. Since I've messed up, I need to be made right. But because I messed up, I can't make myself right. And as soon as I try to make myself right, I mess it up more. That's the key of humility. I need help outside of myself. And so when you become a Christian, you decide like, I can only get help from God because I can't fix myself. I can only get the payment for my sin from God because he's perfect and he's never done wrong and I keep messing up. And so when you turn to Jesus, you accept this forgiveness, you accept this grace. And that's where you begin to get aligned. I bow my knee and I surrender my life to him. And that's what it means to become a Christian. It's no longer my way, no longer me the center. God is the center. And then the next day, you know what you need to do? You need to decide to do that again. It's no longer what I want, but what God wants. And you know what you need to do the next day after that? I bet you could guess. You have to do the same thing again and again and again. And again, and that's why a church is so important. Because you know what? When I'm in my week and in my work and with my kids and with my spouse, I just get all misaligned with who the center is. And sometimes when you come back to church, it's this way of realigning and remembering the truth together and saying like, man, I'm not the center, you're not the center, let's make God the center. And when you do that together, you see, wow, that life's together and the planets no longer collide. And what that verse says, he gives grace Uh, to To the humble. What grace means is it's unmerited favor. You've done nothing to deserve it. But it also means the things that you could not do yourself, the impossible things, like redemption, hope, a purpose, he will give you that. He will give you things that you cannot get outside of him. So it's very interesting. The mockers, the pride, the arrogant, I'm gonna get mine. But if you actually go that way, you get nothing. You actually get destruction. The humble... I'm gonna bow my knee, put God at the center, and the very things I want and I need, through Him, He will He will meet those needs. That's what it means to follow Jesus. But like I described, there, there's always a battle, and we're talking about mocking. Now, mocking is usually subtle with most of us. We don't wake up sometimes and be like, God, why? You might have you face you know we face things that are really difficult to deal with. Very hard. And there's this time where we just want to look to God and just, why did you let that happen? Why did you do that? There's just something inside of us where we feel so ripped off. But most of the time, mocking is actually more subtle than that. It happens in the daily kind of happenings of life. So you have this, before God I bow, but then at the same time, how mocking creeps in. Remember I said that struggle is always going on. So here's some ways that mocking creeps in. The first is this. We mock those made in God's image. Now, mocking in its, like, full force is, like, you, you're you putting somebody down and just ridicule. But mocking is also subtle as well, like where you just, somebody says something and you, you just don't think it's right, and you let them have it for just having that view. You ever done that? That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. You ever said something like that? You don't want to say that to your spouse, write that as the next step, someone you care about, but we could say that all the time. There's just that mocking like where you don't see it, you don't get it, you don't know it, and so we, 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 put, we put others down. We could put sometimes the people we love the most down first. Isn't that true? That's actually, that's how mocking creeps in. That's where you're, you're starting to elevate yourself. So when that starts to creep in, when you're putting others down, you gotta watch out for that. The second is this, mock circumstances. This one kind of, this one got me, myself. You mock your circumstances every time you grumble or complain about what's going on in your life. You ever done that? Like what day? What week? There's so many things that we face that just feel worthy of grumbling or complaining, Right? But again, if God is the center, things flow from his hand. When we grumble or complain, we're most of the time saying, God, I could have planned this better. That really wasn't what, that wasn't a good plan, God. Okay, we don't say that, but it's in the, oh, this is terrible. This is awful. What? And oftentimes, because our vantage point, we elevate, we say our plan, our idea is better than God's. And God in his rightful Elevation is saying, well, no, actually, I want certain things to grow in you. I want you to develop certain things. And he wants these things in circumstances that are hard that we think are terrible. He actually wants to use those to develop us. The humble allows that to be a factor. The mockers just, this is the worst thing I've ever faced. Why why do I have to deal with this? This isn't right. And all of these usually come from this sense of we deserve something different. You know, when I deal with most of the disappointment in my life, it's from unmet expectations. So I have grumbling, I've got complaining, and then I'm disappointed. Why am I disappointed? Because I had a plan for someone. I had a plan for the circumstance and it didn't happen. You've been disappointed recently? I find that a lot. Fridays are my day off. I usually have like this perfect Friday that I have for my life, and at the center of my own universe, it works perfectly. But I don't live alone. I'm married, and I have three kids, and I'm not the center of their universe, and they're not at the center of mine, but in my plans, I just want things to go a certain way. Even just silly things, like kids, like, don't make a mess, ever. You ever get disappointed at your kids for making a mess? You're basically saying like, stop being a kid. And you're a kid. Or even just messing up. Stop being human. Wouldn't that sound different if we said that? Stop being a human being. Get it together. It's from my lofty, elevated position that I get disappointed in its expectations that I have. Strong sense of entitlement. I have it. You have it. We don't realize it until we get frustrated or disappointed. We deserve to be treated a certain way, and we want people to do it. We want a break. We want to be recognized. When we're not, we get upset. All of this comes from this just wrongful view of where we fit in the universe. I hope you guys feel that. and It's not like to make you just like, oh, yeah, we're so terrible, but... Isn't this a battle? And I battled this every single day. Because that pride, it just comes in, my elevated position, and then I start to see things the wrong way. So it's really important, and I've spent the most time on this one. Before God, I bow. That is the first key to experiencing humility. Because without God and His reference point, you have no other way to organize your world. It's God's authority. His word, his truth, his vantage point, that's what we operate around. And then our values change. What becomes important to us was important to him. The way he says to treat people, we want to start treating people. So that's what we begin to orbit around. And from that, before God, I bow, the next two flow. So let's jump to that. What's the second one? Well, here's another attribute of keeping a low profile. Before valid leaders, I follow. Now, this is when it gets real. Because sometimes you talk about God. Okay, yeah, he can be the center. Then this, this, like, next step of humility, as God is the center, now you have to follow leaders over you. Wait, what? I didn't sign up for that. Actually, to be humble means you you did, because that's how God created the world. Again, it's the reality. Proverbs 13.1 says this, a wise son heeds his father's instruction but a mocker does not listen to rebuke. So notice, before valid leaders, I follow. Where does it start? Well, it kind of starts with the initial authority structure that we have, your parents. You actually want to see pride begin to well up in you? It begins most of the time with your parents. Would you agree with that? Would I want you guys to see what I was like as a 10-year-old? not on your life. Because there was a lot of this going on. My parents said something. was like, you don't know what's best for me. Isn't that the battle? So the prophet just cuts to it. This is why you, you listen to the instruction. To heed there, it means to hear. Oh, man, there is so much to humility that actually means just listening. Has somebody ever told you something and you're already writing writing it off? Yeah, no, I know, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. As they're talking, no, yeah, I heard that. I got that. Stop bothering me. Now you're again. You're probably more subtle, but that's what's in our heart. Shut them down. Clueless. I know what's best. Yeah, thank you. We can even mock with our head, right? They make sitcoms about this. This is what's funny on TV, the mocking. It's hilarious until you realize that God comes against it. So somebody who listens to leaders, they, they hear it. And then the rebuke here, but a mocker does not listen to a rebuke. Rebuke is actually like this threat, but it's not like a hollow threat that sometimes parents make like, if you do this, you're never going to go outside again. I don't know how that would work but you better do it. It's actually a rebuke that's serious like don't stick your hand in the fire if you do it will melt your hand off. Don't run in the street if you do you could get hit. Like it's this rebuke, this threat of this warning and disastrous results. The prideful person just they won't listen. And the mocker again from their elevated position, they won't follow leaders. And so whether you're 2 or 42, Mockers don't want to follow leaders. Now, it says before, valid leaders I follow. Let's ask the question, well, why why do we need leaders? Why can't we just follow God like one-on-one? Well, it would be like this. Imagine that you and I worked, we all worked, at a business. The boss of the business never showed up. He never was there. We've never seen him. And he's our direct report for everything. So he's leading you, and he's leading you, and he's leading you, and he's leading me. But no one in the office is leading us except this boss that's never there. How do you think that would go? The issue, if there's no leaders, then we can all pretend, right? Because you could say, the boss told me to do this, and I could say the boss told me to do this, and everyone could say the boss, and we could all be doing it in different directions, all doing our own thing, and the company would not do well at all. So what God did is He actually established leaders in the physical sense, people that we could see that could lead us forward, so we actually can stay on track, because we tend to be off track. Leaders set direction. And so God has put leaders and authority in place for our good. But a sure test of humility is, am I willing to follow a leader? It could be in home life, it could be in the work world, your boss shows up in church, shows up even the, the laws of the land. You know, a cop pulls you over for speeding. Most of the time, you're guilty. That's helpful. But oh, when you see those sirens. I wasn't going that over. Maybe I can get a warning. Maybe I can get a warning. That's what I usually do. But that's actually Helpful. They're regulating some things that, that need to be regulated. And so God, in his, in his grace, is saying, you know what? Here's, here's some leaders, and it allows us not to pretend that we're on track when we're, when we're really not. And so if you can find a good leader, follow the good leader. But God's put leaders in our lives, one, to lead us, to direct us. But two, I believe something that's going on is also to check our pride to allow us to see, like, am I willing to submit to somebody else? Oh, man, is that hard. Because we've grown to think that we can be completely independent to do whatever we want. God has made us unique, and he has. God has given us strengths. But in any organization, there's leaders and there's followers. If you're a follower, what do you need to do? You have to follow. And if you're a leader, you have to lead. And if you have a humble leader and a humble follower, it's amazing what a group can do. It's amazing. And you may have a bad leader. I encourage you to try to find a good one. But if you can't, God will still take care of you under a bad leader. Because he's doing something that you may not be able to see. So that's the second thing. Before vowed leaders, I follow. First thing before God, I bow. And then here's number three. Before others, I admit my sin. If you want to be humble, tell others what they already know, that you mess up. We live in a time now where it's so easy to be pretentious, just like pretend and fake and And we just want to hide what's really going on. But humility, it just, it heads on this fact, like I I messed up and I do mess up and that's not right. And so before others, I admit my sin is just this way of like, God, keep me humble. And when I make a mess, help me to make it right. Proverbs 14.9 says this, fools mock at making amends for sin, but goodwill is found among the upright. So again, the the mocking, the prideful person is making amends. It's this idea of they've done something wrong, but they mock or just minimize the the damage. That wasn't a big deal. Person should get over it. Who cares? I didn't mean that. I wasn't supposed to happen. Like, Have you ever done that? Like something happens, you begin to think, "Uh uh-oh, how do I protect myself here? Most of the time at the root of that is pride. So the mocker is just, it's not a big deal. But the wise person, the goodwill is found among the upright. There's a goodwill like, I want this acceptance of the, the mess and this, this working towards goodwill. Like we, we're looking out for each other. I am who I am. You are who you are. Let's work together. We, we don't have to fake it. We don't have to put on these masks that's that's where goodwill is. It's like this genuine love and care. For most of us to be proud, we actually have to act like we have it all together. Do you have it all together? I surely don't. I woke up this morning, I thought about some things I have on my plate, and I, I just I say things like, I have no idea what I'm gonna do. I don't know. I don't have it all together. There's problems I can't undo. There's things I can't solve. It's out of my control. I don't know. That's so scary. But it's true because my orbit is not God's. I don't know. I don't have the power he has. I don't have the wisdom. I don't have the vantage point. I can grow, but I'm still so limited in what I can do. It's God that holds it together. My life, my family, his church. But this, this idea of just God help Help me to, to, to not fake it. is something that's just in my life. It's like so important. Because we, we can all hide the parts of our life we don't want people to see. And when we hide the parts of our life we don't want people to see, then people can't see us. People can't see us. They can't really know us. And then we, we end up with a bunch of shallow relationships. I think so many people in life, this is the, the majority of the relationships they have. Prideful people that are protecting their own self-interests so they don't seem like they're weak or they don't know what they're doing. The sad thing is, is the very thing that they want, which is acceptance, they can't get with pride because it's like Teflon. You just bounce off. It's actually in humility when you admit wrong that relationships warm and grow. Again, isn't it so counterintuitive? But it's that elevated position where we think we understand, and God flips it. Uh, Here at Ridgeview, one of our key relational values is this, uh, to clear up relationships with others. This is this idea, like, if I make a mess by wronging somebody, I'm going to clean that mess up. Making a mess and cleaning it up. Sometimes I, I see, like, admitting sin as, like, have you ever, like, had, like, a gum wrapper in your pocket and, like you do one of these and it like falls to the ground and it's like a really small thing and, you're, and then the wind picks it up and it starts to fly off. And now you're thinking like, oh no, for me to pick up that mess, I'm gonna have to go chase it down. And you just kind of act like it didn't happen. You ever done that? Some of you guys are saints like, no, never in my life. I, I try not to do that, but there's, certain, there's a certain like diameter of an object if it flies out. Kind of act like it didn't. It's wrong. I'm admitting my sin before you. but that's how sin is. it's like we see something and it gets messed up and we think like eh, it was it wasn't a big deal. but I saw it. I made the mess. you know when you make the mess, you got to clean it up. That's the same with this this before others I admit my sin I'm gonna I'm gonna admit. that I I was wrong. And so here's the key phrase for admitting sin. Would you forgive me for? Sin is is doing anything wrong. It could be lying. It could be being harsh. It could be all sorts of things, pride, arrogance, what we've been talking about. But the, the key phrase is, would you forgive me? Would you, for, yeah, that was epic right there, but would you forgive me for doing whatever it is, for being harsh, for lying? Now, I want to counter some of this, and if you use these phrases, uh, this is okay. I'm not saying this is wrong, but forgiveness is a little bit different than, than some of these phrases. I'm sorry can be helpful, but when you've sinned, here's what I'm sorry is saying. It's expressing an emotion for what you did, but not taking responsibility. For instance, if and this has happened before, I shouldn't even say if, but I've blown up at my family before, just harsh, frustrated, angry for whatever reason, and I've wronged them in the way I've treated them. And the sin is like, maybe it's harsh in in what I've said. I'm sorry could be like, I'm sorry that got out of hand. So I'm recognizing that something weird just happened, but I haven't really taken responsibility for it. It's a little bit different than forgiveness. The other is, I apologize, and this is the idea of, I, I'm taking responsibility, so I apologize for that. So I recognize that, that something happened. But notice, I haven't really taken responsibility for the specific wrong that I've done. So I'm sorry that got out of hand, it's kind of passive. I apologize for being harsh. I admitted I, I did something wrong, but I actually haven't asked for forgiveness. Now, what do they do with it? If I just say, I apologize, what do they say? And so I encourage you, if you want to admit your sin, call it what it is. Sin needs forgiveness. Now, God is good and he forgives us, but at the same time, we need to be forgiving each other. And so if you blow it and you want to grow towards humility, call your sin what it is. And when you read the Bible, it gives categories for sin. That's why it's helpful. You can know, okay, that, well, that, that's using unwholesome words. That's being harsh. That's lying. It's being prideful. And you just, you just call that what it is. This sounds so like, oh, my goodness. But you know how freeing it is for everyone in the situation to now know you're all on the same page? Do my kids know when I'm harsh with them? Absolutely. Does my wife know when I'm harsh with her? Absolutely. Does God know? Absolutely. So isn't it interesting that sometimes we just shy away from the thing that everyone knows? That's what dysfunction is. It's acting like everything is normal, although it's not. And so the way humility is, forgive me for the wrong that you know, and you know, and you know, and God knows. You don't need to say it like that. That's a little over overbearing, but but, just forgive me for that. And you they can forgive you. And now it's cleaned up. That's the way to humility. And so before God, I bow, I surrender, I recognize his place in the universe. Before valid leaders, I follow. I realize that I can follow other people knowing that God will use them to, to lead me forward. And then this last one, before others I admit my sin. I call my mess what it is, and I clean it up. All of these are proactive ways to move towards humility. I want to end with this verse, Proverbs 11.2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. We think oftentimes, I think, and I'm sure you think, that our elevated position will get us what we want. It's moving us ahead. It's moving us up. But it actually, it brings disgrace, according to this proverb, and disgrace, confusion, dishonor, and shame. That's what that means. So the very thing that we do to elevate ourselves to bring clarity, things actually begin to unravel even faster. But with humility comes wisdom. Life begins to come together. So I want to encourage you to take a next step this morning based on this. So, Pull out your connection card uh, that Joel had you fill out, and I'm going to invite the band up, and finish filling out that connection card, and there's four next steps that you can take. You can choose one. You could choose a couple, and I encourage you to actually take a step. This is the kind of thing that, that God does. He, he leads us forward, and then we, we take a step in, in obedience. It doesn't matter where you are. You can do one of these next steps. Uh, the first one is this. I'm ready to become a Christian, and This is for anyone who's not yet decided to put God at the center of their life. That's what I was talking about. If if you've never done that, uh, you can check that. There's also a place on your connection card. I think there's the image there, maybe not, but there's a place where you can say, uh, send me info about following Jesus right here. You just mark that and we'll follow up with you. Uh, The second next step is I need to admit my sin before and put somebody's name. Like, have you messed up? With somebody in your life, and you need to just admit it. Isn't that a real next step? I don't know who that is for you, but if it is somebody, go ahead and, and mark that, and then take that next step. Memorize Proverbs eleven two. That was the last uh, verse I just read, and then the last next step is send me the Proverbs, uh, the wisdom in Proverbs Bible plan. We started this last week, and it's going for a month over the Proverbs. Through the Bible app through YouVersion. And so if you didn't sign up, it's not too late. I can send you the info and you can get started uh, this week. And so I encourage you, if you mark that, you know, I'll, I'll follow up with you and, and send that to you. Um, so glad you guys are here. I hope this has been a help to you. I know it's been a challenge for me even as I was working through it. My prayer for us is that God will continue to grow us as a people who we move towards humility. So let's pray that together. God, thank you for Being a God who leads us forward and you don't lead us uh, in pride, you actually lead us in grace. And you have an elevated position, but you sent Jesus and he humbled himself to allow us to connect back to you. So in the way that you've pursued us, in the way that you've met us, you continue to offer ways back to you. And we thank you for Jesus and for the second chance that he brings. God, I pray that you'll just show us any areas in our life where we've been elevating ourselves, where we've been mocking just our circumstances or others. And God, we pray that you'll just show us if there's any sin that we need to admit, any leaders that we just need to get back on track with following, and then even with you, that we need to surrender and realign ourselves with you. Just show us, God. Speak to our hearts right now in the name of Jesus. Amen.